anybody tonight. That's for sure. And um, I'm going to be reading two different scriptures. One's not going to make sense. And the other one's pretty famous. In Jeremiah 35, 1 and 2. Is where I'll start at tonight. Jeremiah 35, 1 and 2. And then I will go to Psalms 119.11, which is actually a famous one. If you don't recognize the scripture text, you will recognize the text once I read it. And probably could quote it. But Jeremiah 35, 1 and 2 says, The word which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord in the day of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go into the house of the Rechabites, and speak unto them, and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. And I will go to Psalms 119 and 11, and you will know this one. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Lord, help us tonight. Help anybody that may hear this via podcast. Just ask that you'd help us, Lord, in your precious name, every heart and soul, especially our younger folks that's here tonight. They could get this. It would change their world and probably many people around them. And I just pray that you'd bless tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to continue my series on um, This Is Why. And tonight... I'm going to talk about this is why I have convictions. And a few young people here tonight, and I'd like y'all to listen to me because you need to get this, as well as us aged folks too, and even the middle age. What is a conviction? Um, we hear people say stuff like, well, maybe you haven't, but I've heard it many times. People say, well, they're under conviction. And what they mean by that is that person is feeling the conviction of God for them to pray and get their life right with God. In sense, maybe the way I'm talking about somewhat tonight, but a conviction is a firmly held belief that an individual, in an individual, about something in particular. You have a conviction. It's a belief about that. It's rooted. It's grounded. And I believe this is why we have a lot of struggling, why many in the church struggle to stay faithful to God and also to the things of God. People are not convinced. Now, I'm just going to be honest tonight. I wish the house was full, but the reason it's not is because this next statement I'm fixing to say. People are not convinced that this living for God is the most important thing in this life we live. If people believe that, this church would be full tonight. There's been enough, as Jacob said, and he's talking a second ago, there's been enough gospel preached across this pulpit to multiple individuals that if it was preached in other countries, we'd be running thousands and wherever that fault may lie, whether maybe the translation or people not, uh, not being taught it outside the pulpit, I don't know. But 
Somehow people are not convinced that this living for God is the most important thing in life. We take it farther than that. The reason we have a lot of people in church that don't experience the power of God like they really want is because a lack of convictions. And people seem to be more governed, governed by their feelings and not by the Word of God. When a person does not have two types of convictions I'm going to talk about here. Godly convictions and personal convictions. There's two different convictions. There's a godly conviction and there's a personal conviction. What happens when people don't have both of those? I think both's important. Can't just have one. I think we need both of those. And when, when people don't have that, it creates weak, emotion-driven, unfaithful, and many times hypocritical church members. I understand this because I have been one of those church members. I have been that weak, emotion-driven, unfaithful, and the hypocritical church member. I understand that. I was the hypocrite as a young man, having been raised in church. But trying to live this Christian life with no conviction in my life. Been raised in church all my life. But there has to, Brother Texas, there has to get a conviction in our spirit. I went to church every service because I had to. Not because I had a conviction for myself. Tristan, I'm glad you're here, buddy. But it has to be for the right reason. And I hope it is. And I'm not saying it is written. But it has to be because you want to live for God. And I went to church because mom and daddy made me go to church. If I'd had the choice, I'd stay at home. Sister Penny, I went to the altar. And I prayed. Because I knew that's what was expected of me. I went to the altar. But not because I had conviction, a conviction that the altar is where I die out to sin and where I get a relationship with Jesus. But because that's what was expected of me. I'd shout, I'd cry, I'd act like I love God in the church, and maybe I did. But not because I had a real conviction to live for Jesus with all my heart. But we had, at this time I'm thinking about, it was the thing at our church. Everybody, we had a lot of young people was going to church and we had a huge group that just come in and everybody was going to the altar praying and crying. So it was easy. I just got involved with it. I would compete. For the prizes at Sunday school. I remember one time, teacher said, whoever reads the most chapters or verses, I don't remember which it was, before next Sunday, um, you're going to get this and this and this. I read more than anybody. I have no idea what I read, but I read more than anybody. 
I was given Sunday school papers and info because if I'd done it, I got a prize. If I showed up at Sunday school, I got a prize. Just, just to, uh, to get what I could, not because I had a conviction. I didn't read my Bible because I had a conviction to gain more knowledge of God. I didn't, I didn't do those things in Sunday school to, to get more knowledge of God and, and realize that, that to, to have more of God and, and, a, and Jesus. No. But it's very important that we get both godly convictions and we develop personal convictions. Now listen to this. Personal convictions based on who we are and the culture we have come out of. It's very important. Because here's the thing. I have seen a person without, people without convictions, godly conviction and personal, personal convictions, and usually they become somebody of questionable character. In our present time, we have a world system that tries to dictate our convictions. And what we should be, or even tell us there's no need for us to even have any type of conviction in our life right now. That is their government system we're living in right now. They're telling us when we can go to church, when we can't go to church, all this stuff. We have social media platforms that is shaping people's mindset. We have news platforms that's shaping people's mindsets. We have movies. We have sports agendas. We have all this stuff that's telling us, dictating to us what is important and what is not important. That is convictions. Jeremy Gove, in his book, Let's Be Honest, Living a Life of Radical Biblical Integrity. He wrote this concerning the world's moralities and their standards. He says this. Isn't it amazing how many times the world tries to establish itself as the ultimate moral authority? It's ironic that time and time again, the very celebrities who's, and talking heads who are living reckless lives are the very ones trying to tell the church and the nation what's moral and immoral. Isn't it's amazing that everyone else has an opinion about what the people of God should be doing. But it doesn't matter what everyone else is saying. It doesn't matter what the rest of the crowd, the numbers, conventional wisdom, or even the higher-ups may say. What matters is what will get me home. Now, I want to dig at this tonight. We, didn't, don't, we don't have a house full here, but we got some very important people to this church here tonight. And in order for our church to go beyond where we are, us that's here tonight, we need to gain a little deeper digging of revelation. We got some ministers here tonight. We got leadership here tonight. And we got some young people here tonight. And I'm convinced that if we can grasp something I'm going to say here tonight, it will propel your ministry, will propel this church, it will change your world. We need convictions not based on what will make us happy in this world. 
We need convictions that, that will not get us influence in this world. We need convictions in our lives that won't get us anything that this world may give us. We need convictions that comes from the Bible and that will get us to eternity. That's what we need to be having convictions about. Again, what is convictions? Convictions is something that you hold so dear in your spirit that nothing can change it. Convictions is what Daniel had. The Bible said that Daniel purposed in his heart. You know what that means? He purposed that means he made up in his mind. You're not going to change my way of thinking. He said, I live by what I was taught the Word of God was, Sister Penny. And here's the thing. Everybody's worried about us going socialist, communism, and all that. It couldn't have been no worse than Daniel. Daniel lived under a dictatorship democracy. But Daniel purposed in his heart. Daniel, you got to eat the king's meat. I don't think so. I got a conviction against that. Daniel, you're going to bow down to these idols. I don't think so. I got a conviction that I only bow down to God. Daniel, you can't pray to any other gods for 30 days. I'm sorry, but I've got a conviction in my heart. Even if it means I get thrown to the hungry lines, I'm going to pray. Why was Daniel able to resist this Babylonian brainwash they had going on? Daniel had a godly conviction in his life. He had a godly conviction in his life. And you hear me, and hear me well. This is not going to get no easier. This world is going to get worse. Tristan, Myra, y'all hear me. I'm glad you're here. But you got to get this in your heart. I want to live for God if they make fun of me at school for going to church, speaking in tongues, shouting, and worshiping God, and dressing different. And refusing their drugs and refusing their uh, 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 all this junk they got. Fights. There you go. I'm going to be different. I got a conviction that God is my God and I'm going to make eternity my home. And hear me. With our social media platform right now, it is so easy for us to be intimidated even by Church people. To the point that we feel like we're not good as the next church because we don't got as many as they got. And we don't got good buses. And we don't got this and we don't got that. We got the same God. Did not Malachi 3 and 6 say, I am the Lord. I what? Change not. Does anybody know what Hebrews 13 and 8 says? If you don't, you should commit that one to memory. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
God does not change. And what He's done for anybody, He can do for me. What He's done in any time, He can do now. God does not change, but people change. Now hear this. Somebody said, we're living in a different world right now. Why is this world different? The world has changed not because of God. Let's read the scriptures. It's not changed because of God. Why has it changed? Because people has changed their convictions. Used to, it didn't matter what you done. Sunday, you was going to church. And whether you was a Christian or not, you at least respected the church. If you found out somebody's a man of God, you respected them. Everything's done in the house of God that's done in the house of God now that was never done before. Why? Because people's convictions change, not God's. I'm going to tell you, the church, we're going to be hit hard. And people, we have let the antichrist spirit of the end time we live in, people has let that crush their spirit. They has let it distort our affections and our feelings. And it let, they have let it alter the identity of who Christians really are. And we've got to have conviction in our heart. That's right. Corbin's going to help me. And we're not careful of happen to us. Now listen. Somebody says, what's conviction? Here, let me talk about some more. According to Holman Bible Dictionary, conviction is a sense of guilt and shame that leads to repentance. The words convict and conviction are not actually in the King James Version. But the word convince in the King James Version is the closest we get to it. And it expressed that meaning of conviction. So if we say, I have a conviction, we're saying we're convinced of something. I'm convinced of it. Fully persuaded. Josh McDowell said this. Having convictions can be defined as being so thoroughly convinced that Christ and His Word are both objectively true and relationally meaningful that you act on your beliefs regardless of the consequences. We've become a soft generation when it comes to God. We are easily persuaded to stay home from church. I'm going to tell you, if people had a conviction about church, they'd be here tonight. I couldn't fathom just saying, I'm going to stay home tonight. I'm too tired. I'm just going to stay home. I couldn't fathom that. Why, Sister Ben? I got a conviction in my heart that says, if I don't go to God's house, I may miss the next service. I may miss the next service. I may miss heaven. We got to get a conviction inside of me that says, Brother David said, I'm so fully persuaded. If I miss one service and Jesus comes back, I could go to hell. Where is that conviction now? We need it back in the house of God. 
We need it back in God's house. Oh God, I hope somebody hears this that's not here tonight and you get convicted. The house ought to be full. And you know what? You and I ought to have, we ought to have such a conviction when we walk in the house of God. It's like, oh, I'm here. I can't sit on my seat. I cannot praise God. I cannot love Him. I gotta praise Him. I'm in the house of God. I don't know when I'll get to come back. We have lost convictions in the church that we find it easy not to pray every day. We got some young preachers here tonight. Y'all better hear me right now and hear me well. You need to not fool around and you better get something in your heart that says, I'm going to pray every day. Amen. Because if I miss praying, somebody may miss heaven because of my prayers are not going out. Or, or I, I, I may just float along. We've got to get it in our heart. We've got to get a conviction on the inside of us that says, I'm going to pray, I'm going to talk to Jesus every day. I'll tell you right now, Texas, how long will you two be married if you walked in that house and you never talked to her for a day's on end? Would it last very long? Something would have to go. But why is it we, we can just casually walk through our day? I'm talking about convictions that we need to get back in the church. We can just casually go through our days and, and go days without end and not even pray and seek the face of God. Where has the convictions of prayer gone? Where has the conviction of getting on the altar and seeking God when the preacher gets done? I'm burning in my spirit tonight. Ha, we need to get something in us that says, you know what? We find it so easy to scroll through Facebook every day. But not read our Bible. We won't miss the newspaper. We won't miss the newscast. But goodness and gracious, can't we realize that we need something internal more than I need something that's temporal? Amen. We've got to get a conviction in our heart. And we find it so easy to fall into all these trends of this world and I know that's hard but if we're going to make it to the end Jesus let us know in Matthew 24 13 that he that endured to the end that's the ones that's going to be saved it's going to take some endurance and the only way we're going to endure is we got to have something that's fueling our endurance and that's godly convictions Somebody say convictions. convictions. Not, not every choice we make in our lives has an obvious right choice. But what is obvious is that every decision must be made with a view of we've got to please God and not myself. That's what creates convictions in our life. I guarantee you, all of us here tonight, if we went by our, some of our feelings, we'd stay home tonight. It sure walked in about 5.30 this evening. It'd been real easy for her to just stay home this evening. I know some of you, but Dave, do you work today? Mel, Mel didn't run today? Well, a lot of days. That's probably even worse, right? <laughs> so, but as many times you walked all them miles, you're like, I'm too tired, I don't feel like going. It'd been easy to stay home. But when you have something on the inside of you that pushes you, 
We've got to live according to a God-centered view, not a world-centered view. Our convictions about Jesus has got to come from the Word of God and not from our imagination. Oh, He's a loving, passionate God and He wouldn't send me to hell. He will not go above His Word. He will still take His Word. If His Word says no, we can't do it. And if His Word says yes, we must do it. That's where our convictions must come from. We must make every action we take, every choice we make, every thought that we have, it must be centered with God in the middle of it. And that's why the psalmist wrote, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. David gives us insight to how not to sin by putting the word of God in us. And the whole chapter of Psalms 119 is themed around the word of God. And there are many places we can get godly convictions, but all of them are sourced, they're rooted to the word of God. And if you're going to have a godly conviction, it must come from the Word of God and not some man's ideal. And when the statement was made, your word, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you, he was making a statement of conviction. He said, I am placing this Word in my heart that it will create boundaries in my life to keep me away from sin. And if you don't put them convictions in your life, you will sin. And, and brother Texas, that's why we've got to put guards in our life. And we don't hide the word in our heart. We're not going to have the ability to create godly convictions in our life. That's why I push reading the word of God. Our conviction about Jesus has got to come from the word. Not our imagination. That's where godly convictions come from. From the word of God. From the Word of God. we got to, and then I could spend a lot of time with that, I guess, talking about, you know, what we do and what we don't do. That's the Word. That's why we need to have Bible study. That's why you need to have Bible study. That's why you need to read your Bible, to create godly convictions. Let's just start with the top ten. Right? I've been doing it on Sunday. Let's condense it down real short. Right? What Jesus done to the lawyer. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You do that, you'll cover the first four. Love your neighbors yourself. If you do that, you'll cover the last six. Let's just start from there and get some godly conviction. What's that mean? That means... I'm going to love God more than I love sports. I'm going to love God more than I love anything else in this world. I'm going to love God more than I do that boy or girl that I'm dating. I'm, I'm going to love God more than I do that, 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 that addiction in my life. I'm going to love God more than anything else. Amen. That means if I love God more than, than, than being uh, uh, this and that, I'll go to church when there's church. I'll pray when I need to pray. I'll read when I need to read. I'll love God. And when I've got a conviction in my heart that I'm going to treat other people like I treat my own self, I'm not going to, I'm not going to rant and rave at somebody else. I'm going to forgive because God forgave me. I'm going to love people through the eyes of God and not through my own eyes. But I want to take it 
up a notch. I've talked about godly convictions several times. As a matter of fact, I started this year off. If you need the Sunday school, I don't know. We didn't have most of you was downstairs with this. I don't know if I had this on the podcast or not. I did talk about some godly convictions and where godly convictions come from. Said a few of these things, but godly convictions comes from the Word of God. All right, that's where it comes from. That that's where we establish. Okay, and, and he, this is me. Sister Penny, I, I was raised in church all my life. I was made to go. I talked about it a while ago. But it was not until I got older that I really developed a conviction in my heart that, okay, I see why I got to go to church. I see why I got to pray. I see why I got to read my Bible. I see why I got to forgive. It come from the Word of God. I had to get it, that in my heart. But let me take this up another notch. Because this is ghost, this takes it to a place that separates people in their walk with God when you walk in a place of personal convictions. All right? Personal convictions. Let me talk about this for a second. Hebrews 12 and 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that's set before us. Now, why do we need personal convictions? Because personal convictions takes your boundaries a little tighter and protects you even more and gives you even more power. All right? So let's talk about personal convictions. What is a personal conviction? When was that... Brother White's on the impartation breakfast, Brother White was talking, and he was talking about how his wife had a conviction that she would not play with regular, she wouldn't play with cards. Like just poker cards. I act like any cards, really. But for sure, like poker cards, you know, just regular cards. And he said him and his sons didn't have that. Uh, he said that she was raised in a home, that that's just what was taught. They just didn't play with cards. And she was very, very emphatic about it. And one day, they were playing cards, and one of the kids, I think he said it was Nathaniel, took the, the deck of cards and just slid it into her purse. It was there a day or two before she realized that when she found it and pulled it out, seen it, she just basically began to weep and cry and repent. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. Oh, God, I didn't. I don't know how that. Just begin to repent. And we may think that's funny. But there's a conviction in her heart that allows her to be set apart. We, we, one of the first times Brother White come, first, second time, we were sitting downstairs here. And I'll never forget this. And Brother White was, was sitting there talking. I noticed him kept looking over kind of towards Jake. And the next thing I know, he... If he removed it or asked Jacob to. Jacob had something laying on top of his Bible. And, and I don't know if he told him to move it or he moved it. I think he asked him, can, can, can you take that off that Bible? Bill White has a strong conviction that I can't put nothing on top of the Bible. We may think that's kind of funny, but they came from somewhere. I know people that can't they have a personal conviction of, 
If they go to a restaurant that has a bar in it, they won't go. It don't bother me. I never liked alcohol. You, you couldn't pay me to drink. I don't want it. But these people know that if I walk into that place, it may pull me in close enough that I might want to get a drink. Personal convictions take you to another level. People who have been addicted to pornography and God has brought them out of that. Take, like, on an iPhone, it's called Safari. I don't know what it is on the Google. They take the way of completely taking it off their phone where they couldn't even have access to look up anything that might have pornography. Somebody says, that's a little extreme. Is it? It's a personal conviction that says, I'm going to go above that spot because I've got to protect myself with this boundary in my life. Several years ago, I'll be honest with you, I've read, I've read the Bible through. I've read the Bible through every year for the last 19 years. Used to, I always played catch-up, it seemed like. When Facebook came out and some social media things back in 2007 or 8, then it even become more of a struggle. I'm talking about a personal conviction I've got. And I... Get up in the morning, first thing you do, what do you do? Pick up your phone. Start looking at this, look at this, look at that. And the next thing you know, you spend an hour, and you're done too late, and you're like, oh, gosh. Then you go through your day, and you realize, I haven't read, and I haven't prayed. God put it on my heart that I will not look at Facebook. I will not look at any social media. I will not look at anything at all, news, I don't care what it is, until I have read and prayed in the morning. It revolutionized my prayer and my study time. Changed it totally. There's been some days that I didn't look at it at all until that evening to accomplish what I need to accomplish. Why is a personal conviction that got in my heart to took me above and beyond that spot? And, and people question why they may lack a power in a walk with God. And tonight, I propose to us, it may be very well because of a lack of godly, but probably most likely, even more than that, personal conviction in our life that goes above and beyond and says, you know what? That, I could do more for God, but that's weighting me down a little bit. I, I can't handle that. I, I know some people that just totally got rid of social media. Because it just becomes such a weight that bogged them down. Now, you guys know me. I've always been a Kentucky Wildcat fan. I was informed this week that Kentucky lost to Duke. Their very first game. Just to many, I didn't even know it. I didn't know they played or anything. That's not to tell you that I might not see if they won or, or, or if they go to a championship game, maybe peek in on it. But I had to separate myself from it because you could get involved with hours of listening or watching that and it just kind of weighs on you a little bit heavy. And when the kingdom of God is so important, I'm talking about a personal conviction that can get inside of you that would change your world. And 
here's the thing. I, I've just got a few more things I'll be done tonight. As this, I could go real deep in talking about convictions and all this stuff. We need to, I'm just going to be honest. I don't hear people talk about personal convictions no more. Very little. Personal conviction goes above and beyond. And I know man can put convictions on you, okay? When we first started pastoring the church, you never would see me in a t-shirt. Because we came out of a pretty strict situation at the church, the home church, and they at that time it was priests. You wore nothing but at least three-quarter length sleeves. So in honor of the leadership of that church, I began to wear three-quarter length sleeve, at least shirts, always. It had to come below my elbow, or I would not wear it. Okay? And, and the reason I've done that, I want, to, I want to do, you know, I want to be using leadership, so it's, well, it's not a big deal. So that's what I've done. But after that, you know, that kind of faded away and people started doing whatever. And for the longest time, Sister Penny, I'm like, I just don't know if I could, I don't know if I could walk outside with just a t-shirt on. And I, I had to search my heart. I had to, I had to search my spirit and say, okay, God, was that, was that just because of the leadership or is that something you put in me as a personal conviction? And finally, I just come to the place I realized, okay, I was just following the ordinance and guideline of that, that leadership. And I don't think that, and I just come to the conclusion, okay, that wasn't a personal conviction for me, God. I was just following the ordinance of that. But in the midst of that, Sister Penny, it did lay a, a foundation of conviction in me that I'm not going to run around with some sleeve way up here somewhere. I, use the, I try to make sure it at least comes down to where if I raise my hands, I'm not flashing a whole bunch under my arm. And you may think that's stupid, but it's a personal conviction. And if, and if you have a personal conviction that you need your sleeve down to your wrist, I'm happy for you. If that's what you feel, do it. Personal convictions you do not put on somebody else and, and because, oh, I, I've got to wear my sleeve beyond my arm. If there's not a Bible for it that makes it a godly conviction, you keep that conviction to yourself. You may explain why you do it, but don't you dare try to condemn somebody else for that. Amen. But that personal conviction, it, it, it does something to you. It just makes you feel like I can be closer to God for that. I can be closer to God for that thing. And that's why, and let me be honest, I don't hear about them Dutch more. Because we live in a generation that only does just enough to get by. I only want to do enough. I only want to come to enough church that I feel like I'm saved. I only want to pray just enough. I only want to read just enough. My goodness, we need to get back to the time where we have godly convictions and we go beyond that and say, okay, God, I, I got these, but Lord, how can I get closer to you? And if God puts a personal conviction on you, don't you be dogmatic. Don't you tell somebody else they're going to hell. If you don't have Bible for it, you don't put it on nobody else. But I got Bible for you praying. I got Bible for you reading your Bible. I got Bible for you looking and dressing holy. I got Bible for you forgiving people. I got Bible for you uh, for treating people right. That's godly convictions. But Jesus also did teach the second mile principle. And they take your cloak, give you a coat. 
that has to go into you to where you're willing to say, okay, God, I know this is what you want of me, but God, I want to be willing to go the second mile. I want to be willing to do a little bit more. And, and somebody says, why would you want to do that? Okay. This is why. When you don't have convictions in your life, when you find somebody doesn't have convictions in, your li- in their life, you find somebody that is really weak. Because when you have convictions, what that is, that's a restraint. That is a, puts a resistance in your life. And it, what it does, it produces power. When you take water and you just throw it out there and it just becomes a swamp, guess what happens to it? There's no power. It stinks. It's stagnant. But if you can restrict water and even put resistance in it, guess what it does? It produces power. It produces power. And I want to have the power of God in my life, okay? We need convictions. I'm going to close with this. This is my opening text. We'll read it again. Um, for this, I don't know where you can find it. I've got it somewhere on a computer somewhere, but a man by the name of Miles Young, he's a phenomenal singer and he's a pastor in California. He preaches a sermon from this text and he calls it, Remember the Rechabites. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jeroham, Jeoham, however you say that, uh, the son of Joash, king of Judah, saying, Go into the house of the Rechabites and speak unto them to bring them to the house of the Lord into one of the chambers and give them wine to drink. We think, well, what's the big deal? Uh, Jeremiah is a very unique, he's a very unique prophet. Would you go get this piece of cloth and go put it down there by the river and and, and shove it under there and then go back and pick it up later when it's rotten and oh, this is what Israel's going to be like. Very unique. This is one of them unique ones. Unless you know the whole story of it, it's hard to understand. If you skip down to verse 5, and he's, Jeremiah said, and I set before the sons of the house of Rechabites pots full of wine and cups, and I said to them, drink ye wine. And they said, we will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, You shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons, forever. And at face value, this may seem to be a weird story, but God was trying to send a message through Jeremiah the prophet by showing the convictions that the Rechabites had against drinking wine because other fathers taught them this is what you do. It's almost like, well, you're, you was tempting them. But what he was doing, he, God knew they had such a conviction. It didn't matter if it was a prophet or not. They weren't going to drink wine. They were not going to do it. And it's so easy for us to be caught up with the world wanting us to drink what they got. When God has given us things in our life that we need to have a conviction in our heart about. And we got to remember how to hold on to convictions that God has given us and also have some personal convictions in our life that even takes it a little farther. You know what a personal conviction is like? The dead boat. 
You can lock the door, and it may keep somebody out, but if you lock the dead boat, it's just a little extra protection. It's a little bit more security. And we need that back in our churches to where, you know, it, it's like this. Godly conviction gets you to the house of God. Personal conviction may get you there 30 minutes early to pray. Godly conviction will make sure you read your Bible every day. Personal conviction will make sure that you don't leave that Bible till you know you've got something every day out of it. I, I'm, just, I'm just kind of putting an example in it, all right? Godly conviction says, oh, you need to dress holy. Personal conviction takes it a little farther. Well, I want to make sure I'm holy, so I'm going to do this to protect myself. Godly conviction says, you know, uh, I'll, I'll set no wicked thing before my eyes. Personal conviction goes a little farther than that and says, man, I don't even want that anywhere in my home. Personal conviction just takes a little bit farther. We need this because it's what you want to know what separates the brother white from some lay minister, somebody who's been ministry for 20 years and never done nothing outside their church. It's a personal conviction that that you just sit and talk to brother white for a while and you understand there's things that he does that not everybody does. And we see that. And this is what I'm trying to get to today. This is why I've got some convictions that I need some more in my life. And, and Texas, Jake, and Bethany, some of these young ministers, get something in you that says, I'm not going to be like everybody else. I'm not going to be like. Tristan, I'm glad you're here, son. But put something in your spirit. It just goes a little farther and says, I'm, I, I, Jake can come get me for church, but when you get here, that we don't sleep on the back pew. We sit on the front pew like you are right now. You respond and go to the altar and you pray. A personal conviction says, I'm going to go to the house of God, but I'm not only going to go, I'm going to get something out of it. I'm going to make sure before I leave, I've touched God and He's touched me. We need convictions back in the church. And I think once we can get some convictions back in us, there's going to be some convictions going to fall back here on these seats. Because people are going to come in and see them and say, man, they love God. They're dedicated to the house of God. I want what they got. Amen. We want to... We, what's the purpose of this church building here, okay? You know what the purpose of this church is? It's to create an atmosphere where people can come in here and receive from God what they need to receive. And we got to have that in our life. So, anyway, I won't be done tonight. I'm challenging us to pray and ask God. Say, God, number one, what is my convictions based on? Are they based on the Word? Or are they based on an ideology of what, you know, where I've come from or... It doesn't matter if mom and daddy said, well, we got to believe in this. But does the Word say that? 
I knew mom and dad said, you're going to church, whether you like it or not. Well, that's why I went to the house of God. But Tristan, when I got old enough to realize, I need the church. I need the community. Brother David talking about that isolation. I need each other. I need you. There's people home tonight that had been better off to be in the house of God. Because they're sitting at home, miserable, lonely, and stressed out their mind. And the thing they're worried about, not even going to change, might have changed if they can't. At least their mindset will. They just come to the house of God. Oh, I need to pray, but I'm, I'll get on Facebook. Man, we need to get something in us that says, I will not feed myself more of the world than I will of God. No wonder the churches are drowning. No wonder people are drowning. We need a conviction in our spirit. This is God. I, I don't know if you can find it, but if you can search the face, uh, search the internet, maybe you can find Miles Young and remember the record bites. I've got it on computer, but it's powerful when he goes and preaching about it. But I just want to touch with that tonight and say. This world's trying its best to get us to drink their wine. But the Bible says don't be drunk on the world. Let's be drunk on the Spirit. So what if we could come and talk to the Lord for a moment tonight and say, God, what are my convictions based on? Is my convictions, are they based on the Word? Are they based on some man's ideal? Let's ask God that question. God, because here, here's the thing. The personal conviction goes a little farther. And Jesus went a little farther. Didn't he? Jesus in the garden went farther. But the disciples stayed back and slept. I wonder what had happened if James and John went farther with Jesus and prayed. Maybe we need to get some personal conviction that if I look at Facebook 30 minutes, I'm going to read 30 minutes. I don't know. I'm not trying to convict, put that on. I'm just saying something like let's, let's put God to the test and let's go to the second time. That's, that's your personal conviction. Go to the second time. You're going farther. You're doing more I'm going to tell you, you may go to hell for not doing enough, but I don't think you'll ever miss heaven for not for doing too much. You hear me? If you live by the edge, you may fall off, but if you fall away from it, you're never going to fall off the edge, even when you fall. So if we're doing more, it's like we're staying farther away from that rear, that, that cliff. And when you fall, it's not if you fall. When you fall and you're not by the cliff, you won't fall off the cliff. But if you're living the edge all the time and you fall, you may fall off the cliff and never get back up again. I don't want to be away from that cliff. And godly convictions and personal convictions pushes me away from that cliff and gives me a better chance of making heaven my home.